Welcome to Pro Bull Talk, where it's all talk and no bull. Get ready to slide and ride. This episode is brought to you by Sutherland Logistics. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Pro Bull Talk. As always, Brandon Wren, Blake Skaggs, and Briar Hart. Today we have uh, CBR World Champion, Supermodel, Dancing with the Stars star, <laughs> um, Mr. Bonner Bolton himself, Captain Rank Ride. Man, glad to have you on, buddy. Man, thank you, Cody. It's an honor uh, to be on your show, man. I've been loving watching what you've been doing with the podcast and I'm super proud to see somebody like you stepping out for the Cowboys and uh, really, truly representing a, a true voice in the industry and in the culture. And I'm all all about it, man. Man, I, I appreciate it. it. I, I, I kind of followed you a little bit. I watched one of your podcasts or episodes you was on one of them others the other day, and you, you was calling some guys, some of them top dogs out too, and I was like, hey, man, I've got to get Bonner on here, man. Not only – not only does he have an extraordinary story to tell with with the, the the ups, of course, you know, riding bulls, winning a CBR World Championship, and and then getting and having great success in the PBR as well, uh, but also yes, the downside, sir. the injury side of it, and how that went, and then you know, then the bad stuff, you know, PBR kind of kicks you to the curb, and then yeah, so yes, sir. So uh, you started Absolutely. riding when really. Using a ro- you're from a rodeo well, so, family itself. Yes, sir. So I grew up in West Texas out in Midland, Odessa. For those of your audience that don't know me or who where I come from, and my uh, my dad was a pro bull rider back in the day, which you may kn- have known, yeah. uh, Toya Bolton. Yes, I did. And uh, him and him, I know him and JW knew each other a little bit. Were you you're older than JW, nope. right? JW is actually three years older than I am. Oh, okay. So you're you're younger. So yeah. he came on and was around my dad probably before you a little yep. bit, right at the tail end of my dad's career. Yeah. And my dad was kind of on his way out in nineteen early nineteen nineties, nineteen ninety two. Yeah. Uh, he had just won the George Paul Memorial. Yeah. And um, hung his hung his hat up after that. I think he'd he might have gone on to a couple of the BROs right after they yep. started the BRO deal. Yeah. And he got the shit hooked out of him in Denver <laughs> and, and put him on the stretcher. I think I think he made the Cabin Fever Worst Rides or uh, Best Rides Worst Wrecks video. And uh, you see a guy in red chaps getting the shit hooked out of him. That's my dad. And uh, uh, that was his last ride, actually, after that. And, you know, he decided to go on and be a, a father and, and a world champion dad at that, man. And yeah. uh, I can't be more proud of him. He's he's been a hell of a, a dad and my ultimate hero so awesome. you know so far in my life and uh and a, and a hell of a, a guy to look up to big boots to feel even though he's only five six you know and uh i come from a ranching family ranching background i grew up there on the ranch um our family's place has been there since 1903 in odessa wow. and we uh raise cattle and horses out there and um you know that was that was my whole life growing up pretty much um but as soon as my dad quit riding bulls he actually moved me and my brother my older brother brody bolton some of your audience may know him for his leather work um 3b leather he's done a lot of really great 
uh, leather tooling and uh, the industry cool. for a long time, building a lot of guys sponsor chaps and saddles and whatnot. Cool. And um, my my brother and I moved to Paris, France, with my parents when we were. Wow. I was five <laughs> years old, and I guess Brody was eight. And uh, my dad got an opportunity randomly after he quit riding. Uh, there was a bunch of scouts from Euro Disney going around um scouting guys out at rodeos going to ranches going to reservations scouting indians and they uh they put together a guy named mario larashi a french uh one of the world's most renowned famous horse stuntmen put that show together over at euro disney kind of like and a they kind of did show. like this kinda, oh go ahead kind of like kind of like a wild west show Yes, sir. It was okay. a reenactment of Buffalo Bill's Wild West oh, okay. show. All right. I'm following. And uh, that show has lasted. It lasted all the way up until 2020 right there uh, at COVID. I think they shut it down wow. when the whole world shut down at that point. And they have not brought it back, unfortunately. But it was, uh, you know, like everything Disney does. I mean, it was blown out incredible arena you know there in in euro disney on the on the grounds there and in that specific part of disney it was um you know everything's themed out and as you can imagine Bus buffalo bills wild west show it's kind of like for those of your audience that might be familiar with medieval times yeah or something like that yeah uh the arena had sort of a canyon backdrop to it that was super realistic and behind that, there was like a curtain and the sun and the moon would, and stars would come out at night and, moon, wow. you know, sun would come up and and they'd fog that arena out. And there was two holes in the canyon where they'd come in the arena and go out and, and they'd run, you know, horses, buffalo, uh, you know, they kind of they would reenact like a stagecoach attack with the Indians and. <laughs> They had wow. stuntmen repel out of the ceiling for a bank robbery scene they did. You know, they'd, <laughs> they'd have a cattle drive. There was like, It was the coolest thing, and uh, there's really nothing like it even over here in the States. And I grew up there, you know, at an early age in my life. That was pretty – made a pretty huge impact on me. Of course, oh, so did the new beaches and uh, <laughs> all the pretty women <laughs> in Paris, France, too. You know, that was uh, – Cowboy that was a heck of an experience, but uh, <laughs> how long were you over there? So we were there for about a year, and we would go back and visit after that. You know, we went back probably. Oh, I don't know. I, I think I went back maybe four, four or five times throughout my life after that. Huh. But uh, that we we became really good friends with a lot of people from that deal, and we moved back that next year when I was I think I was about five or six at that point. And we moved back to the ranch, and from there I grew up on the ranch. And when I turned about 10 years old, I had already been crawling on calves in the Brandon pen and yeah. starting to test my luck there and <laughs> finally talked Dad into letting me uh, get on some steers at my uncle's. My uncles used to trip steers, you know, and they were involved in the steer tripping, and, and they always roped and – rope calves and steers and so they they loaded all their steer tripping steers one day and let me and my brother crawl on and that's kind of where it took that's off for me yeah that's pretty wild and then you 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 hit the did you go pro rodeo and then uh then the cbr or did you go straight into the cbr yes sir so i went you know i went from 
going to a bunch. I really did in high school rodeo a whole lot. Um, at that point in time, there was maybe like three of us in my high school region in region two and, um, out in West Texas. So I went to a lot of bad company bull ridings at that point in time. You know, that's where I kind of got my start and, uh, amateur bull ridings all over Texas and some amateur rodeos. And then when I turned 18, I went to my first big bull riding, which was tough steel out there. Um, I think I went to Beaumont to his very first, uh, kind of right at the beginning of that CBR deal right after, tough started that thing maybe two or three years after that and uh i ended up winning my first event there and i was in college at the time i was college rodeoing there at odessa college and i started going to some pro rodeos started going to some pbrs and i was kind of doing everything at that point in time yeah and uh Wow. So you kind of, you just got in, you went, won your first CBR event. That's pretty impressive there. And right. then just pro yes, rodeo sir. And 18 and, and 110 grand. I thought, shit, you can't beat that. Never another broke day. Never <laughs> no, another broke no, day. No, no, I thought man. that was I'm good. I was, I was shitting in tall cotton at that point. <laughs> bet, <man. laughs> so you still so living she, out uh, in Odessa or? No, sir. So I, I bought a place here in Stephenville, Texas about, oh, about seven and a half years ago now. And I've been living here. I bought a little, little you know, a little bit of acreage around here and a um, little place that kind of tucked back off in the woods. Nobody can see me. I can kind of be in my natural element. There you go. You bet. <laughs> and, uh, Get away from everybody. And uh, That's right, man. So when did you go, you, what was it, seven? 16 17 you got on pbr tour made the made the cups my very first uh built ford tough i got to go to was portland oregon in 2012 and i kind of bounced off and on tour a little bit as an alternate um right after i won the cbr world championship i think i was about 20 when i won that deal um i had torn my bicep completely off the bone at a I think it was a challenger event down in Wimberley, Texas. And I was doing really, really good about to make tour. And I ripped my bicep completely off the bone. It took about nine months for that to heal up. And when it healed, my my riding arm healed really crooked. Uh, I never could straighten it out all the way and still can't completely um, today. But it took me quite a while, you know, maybe about mm-hmm. two or three years to kind of adjust to that and, and figure my stuff out. And I started having to tape my arm like a bareback rider. Yeah, that's never And um, that, yeah, and that kind of caused some collateral damage. I ended up having to have an elbow surgery in 2014. Um, and then once that happened, I, as soon as I started coming back, I got the opportunity. I got a call randomly uh, from PBR at that time, and they said, hey, do you want to come be a stunt double for Scott Eastwood on this movie, The Longest Ride? Yeah. And I'm like, what? <laughs> <You know, and laughs> Where did this come from? I'm like, yeah, sure. Yeah, and they told me uh, Jeff Robinson was taking the bulls out there, and, and they told me how much it was going to pay per bull, and I was like, hell yeah, I'll get back on. <laughs> you, know, you know, that's where I'll kind of crack back out and knock the rust off, you know. And right. and so I did, and I ended up doing pretty good out there, and uh, I rode a couple bulls, you know, kind of for some of the, the regular scenes throughout the movie, and 
And then they, you know, they saw that I was kind of doing all right. And I ended up getting on Rango, which was the number three bull in the world at the time, I believe. And he, uh, he had already dusted Marcus Merluch and Brant Atwood. (laughs) And, uh, I seen Brant crawl on him at eight 30 in the morning, one morning. (laughs) Wow. That's not one you want to get on for breakfast. uh, Oh my God. He was so rank. I'll tell you what, I mean, Brant stuck it on him for about three or four jumps and it was, it was about as rank as it gets. And, and, uh, he, you know, that bull was feeling his oats on that movie set for sure. And and Marcus didn't last very, very long either. I don't think him or Brant really added up eight seconds together on him. And, (laughs) and so it came my turn, you know, I got on him, I think the next morning, uh, um, after Brant got on him, I got on him at about eight, eight, eight 30 in the morning. And, uh, I, I ended up staying on him for about, oh shoot, five five or six seconds probably. They got quite a bit of it, you know, quite a bit of footage with it. And uh, again, he was really really rank, and they they let him rest for two or three days. And we were out there for a whole week, you know. Yeah. And I think they bucked him probably four times that week. And <laughs> I ended up crawling on him that very last. Um, shoot night of of the set for that week and they had like one one last shot to get it right and they had these huge cameras out there called a, a phantom which is like the most slow motion camera at that point in time that you could you know really dial in the, the super cinematic slow-mo on a shot and i think mm-hmm. they told me it costs like you know some crazy number like a million dollars to rent a day or something wow. like that it was wild and so or maybe it was a hundred thousand. I don't remember. To me, it was like a million, you know. But uh, yeah. they uh, they set it up for me to get on this bull at midnight, you know, at the end of the whole shoot day. So they told me, you know, go home and or go back to your hotel, and you know, we want you rested. Uh, <laughs> you rode him the longest the first time, so we're going to give you another <laughs> shot. And if you ride him, we're going to pay you an extra ten grand. Oh, so I was like, hell yeah, come on, let's do <laughs> yeah. it. So I got to sit at the hotel all day and, and hang out and, you know, I kind of got in my routine and, and got ready. And, you know, to me, yeah. I was thinking about this shit, like PBR world final short round, you know, yeah. that this is, this is my time to shine. I'm going to, I'm going to do it, you yeah. know? And, and I ended up crawling in there on him again. And, you know, I just remember thinking, especially that first time I crawled down on him, like, you know, I don't know. Did you ever get on that bull Cody or no, yeah, I guess he was, you had maybe kind of a little after my time you probably got over the top of him and saw him oh, before yeah. though didn't absolutely you? yeah i mean i just built like a damn army tank yes sir. and you know them horns were about as wide kind of like <laughs> wolfman you know yeah. he had them big long wide yeah. down horns and uh i just remember everything was just yeah. uphill built and about oh, as was. hard and uncomfortable as it gets yep. when it comes to sitting on the back of a bull and uh this rock solid and mm-hmm. and you know i was just coming off of an elbow surgery and, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. he damn sure tested that elbow out the first time and i was sore you know and i was like gosh damn you know i've got more work yeah. cut out for me and and i remember tying down in there on him and i got luke snyder justin mcbride you know uh i think your brother was there jw oh, yeah. maybe and yeah. uh 
shoot, you know, all my legends, all my heroes were right right there around me, and everybody was counting on me at the stroke of midnight to make this ride happen. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, at that point in time, Sean Gleason had just stepped in to become CEO, and, you know, I thought, you know, I, I didn't know much about the guy at that point in time, and he didn't know much about what he was doing at the time, but... Still, uh, you know, I, I'll look back and tell him, you know, thank you for that opportunity. He gave me that opportunity and, yeah. and I owe him that. But, um, you know, when it came to that, it was me that had to stick my hand in the rope and mm-hmm. me that had the, had to do it. And, Absolutely. uh, he didn't do that for me uh-uh. and they used us, uh, to get what they needed there. And yeah, I, I'm really, really thankful. I got, I got, you know, it was debatable. I would have had to punch the clock on on the watch to see if I rode him all the way or not. I lost my rope right there about seven somewhere in there. And, uh, I held on for another half jump with the rope, tail of the rope in my hand. And, uh, you know, to this day, I feel like I probably did ride him. Yeah. And, uh, it was right there, hair, you know, splitting well, hairs, I, whether I did or didn't. Well, I have talked to several people about that ride and they had, they said they thought you rode him. They, they would have, they was judging, they'd dang sure give it to you. <laughs> yes, sir. I, and, you know, that really kind of spurred my confidence on from there, uh, that opportunity, just being able to to do that. And, and it kind of showed me, hey, I'm, maybe I still have what it takes to do this and kind of went on from there and healed up a little bit. And then immediately that next year in 2015, I got on tour full time and uh, had a good, good year, um, ended up in the top five at the world finals that year. I actually, right before the finals, uh, broke the the shit out of my collarbone. I had a I think I remember that a bull jerked me down in Jackson. Yes, sir. I had a bull jerk me down in Jackson, Mississippi. Uh, He kind of blew way out of there and landed on his on his ass end, and then lurched forward and and brought a horn right across that collarbone and Mm -hmm. and knocked a section of that collarbone out, split it. It was trying to come through my my skin right there you know and uh, mm. stormy wing and douglas hauled me back home that weekend <laughs> douglas duncan and they uh took me to tandy the next you know next week and they put an eight inch plate and six screws in there and i think me and brady sims were kind of battling it out for maybe the you know on the bubble of making the finals that year and i had to go at, at least to one more event before the the end of the season and that was tucson and i ended up being able to bounce back in about a month and a half i went and got some therapy uh, called ozone therapy mm-hmm. um i don't know if you guys are are you familiar yeah. with that i've heard of it yeah so it's crazy and I, I don't know if they are if they really allowed it in a lot of sports at that point in time and i don't i still don't know if they do now but uh it's all it is is um you know, it's oxygen, ozone, mm-hmm. and uh, they mix ozone it, with your blood with like a bunch of minerals and vitamins and colloidal silver and all this stuff, and they inject it straight into the, the injury or wherever you, you've got a problem going on, and then they would run an IV in you and take about five cc's of your blood and mix it and run it back in you. And... uh my mom had gone and gotten some treatment for her health at the time. She was bedridden with an illness at that point in time, and she had a miraculous bounce back from it. And 
went and did that treatment, she told me to go do the same thing. And I went up to Lubbock, Texas and seen a doctor up there. And, um, I'm, I went and did maybe like two or three of those treatments and a month and a half, I was able to bounce back and I felt like Superman and, uh, <laughs> I was 90, I think I was 90 on my first bull back at Tucson and ended up winning enough to get me to the finals. And I rode my first three bulls there at the finals and I ended up winning, uh, the rank round on walk-off. Um, I like which was that a bull. bull they weren't riding much yeah. at that point <laughs> right well let's we'll get back to you ride at walk off here in just a minute when we get a word from our sponsors this episode is brought to you by dennis davis bucking bulls laura crank sutherland logistics blake skaggs bucking bulls and Crenton stitch company with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice Quick strategic thinking is crucial, and with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown, and through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. All right, walk off at the finals. Man, what a great bull that was! I, I thought that bull should have been up for bull of the year a couple, a couple times, and I don't, yes, and, he, and he never was. I don't understand what they was. I thought that bull was awesome. He was a good bull. He had he had all the potential. Oh man, big! He had the size. He had the look. He had the crooked horn, and I mean, would get it yeah. on right there. Woo, big buck. He was he was kind of old school rank yes, in my mind. Like exactly he he right. reminded me of the the bulls that you guys got on and my dad got on <laughs> back in the day and. Had that black baldy look. Uh huh. Who, who was hauling him? I I Jeff. can't even remember. I think was Jeff, it Chad? Yeah. Jeff. Jeff was. I think Jeff hauling him. Yeah. Yeah, or, like I, you I, were saying on the break, we uh, you know, he always kind of looked a lot more of a handful than what he actually felt, and I think that day with me, the trip that he had was a really really good day for that bull. I had seen him be a lot probably a lot more to handle though on a lot of other days yeah i've seen him you know make a couple rounds right there and then jump out of it and go back the other way uh i think kind of give he, you a mambo yeah, in between yeah, <laughs> yeah and and he was big so it was a big mambo it wasn't just a little mambo <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he got yeah. It on. It, them shoulders were about as wide as my legs could spread down uh, that doing the splits up there on that big sucker but you know when you got a uh, I'm sorry, guys. Speaking of my dad, he's trying to call me right now. Is that beeping on the L's end? Uh-uh, no, good. we're good. He must have heard his his, his <laughs> ears must have been burning, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, but no, so, you know, I had Adriano Marias right there on the back of my chute pumping me up to get on him, you know, right there. Yeah. And he, I think he might have even pulled my rope. And uh, so I had a little extra off. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So you rock on, you get through the finals that year, and then you got a pretty good year going, and then there then comes the accident, huh? Yes, sir. So um, finishing the top five there at the finals, go into the new year. I had I had pulled uh, some ligaments in my knee really bad there at the finals. I ended up not even getting on in the short round, and you know, really, I knew at that point in time with where I was at on my my ability level my mental level, um, and my physical level, if I could stay healthy enough going into the new year, 
I, my mindset was to go for a world title. Mm-hmm. You know, that, that was where I felt like I had gotten back to, uh, with my consistency level and, and my physical yeah. peak, I had really gotten into doing a lot of hot yoga and, um, you know, was feeling self strong and, and about at the peak of my physical condition that I had ever felt right. to ride bulls and felt like I had teed in on my equipment, you know, teed in on my mindset. Yeah. Um, firing on and all, all those cylinders. things. Yeah. I was firing on all cylinders. That's right. And, uh, and I went into that next event in Chicago, uh, healed up, ready to go again, went back and did some more of that therapy and was feeling stronger than ever. And I had kind of a, a weird feeling in my stomach going into that event, but I thought it was, you know, because I knew I was going to win that event, you know, that's in my mind, that's what I felt. And, um, I ended up roaming with Mike Lee that weekend of all people and uh <laughs> that what a guy i yeah. love that guy but, uh, quite the character quite the character him and i had never really roomed or traveled together at that point in fact i think we almost got in a fist fight that weekend in in the bathroom uh he walked in and we're all hanging out and you know we, we'd all been having a good time that night and we'd never been around each other that much and he you know i think he he won a little bit that night the first night and uh thought his score should have been a little higher and told me mine should have been a little lower i think and we got it you know it went went that way they had to separate us but uh the ne- next day um i had a bull that i'd been wanting to get on all the year before that i had seen that uh cowboy up i don't even remember yeah. he was hauling him at, at the time but uh I really liked the bull. I knew, I'd seen Cooper Davis ride him a time or two and knew that he was going to fit me to a T. And I was the first guy out. And, uh, boy, I knew we were going to get tapped off. And we did. As soon as he left there, you know, it was move for move, jump for jump. It yeah. couldn't have felt any better. Um, you know, as the last bull ride I ever made, it was, you know, I, I remember it feeling about as good as any ride I ever made, you know. Right. And uh, I just remember looking out, trying to dismount. And at that time, I was keeping my glove and my rope about as sticky as you could possibly keep it. Mm-hmm. And that thing wasn't coming out. And it kind of hung for a split second uh, when I went to make my dismount. And it kind of, it just threw me off just a split second enough when I launched out. I was trying to get off away from my hand, away from my riding hand mm-hmm. that I was tied down with and uh, jump off out to the side because he was spinning to the right there with my riding hand. And and I just, instead of jumping out and moving out away from him, it ended up launching me straight up and kind of did a backflip type of gainer sort of mm-hmm. thing. And instead of getting fully rotated and, landed on my hands and my feet or kind of catways on my hands and knees. I uh, just came straight down like a yard dart and lost momentum and didn't get turned over. And as soon as I hit the ground, I knew, you know, I knew I broke my neck and it was, it was really bad. And, and I, I felt like I was, you know, dying right then and there to be totally honest. Wow. That's a, that's a wild, Mm. I, I I've been numb before and, and lost movement in my legs, but it come back fairly quick. How long did it take for you to get get your stuff back? Yes, yeah, sir. So as soon as I hit, um, I remember trying, you know, out of reaction. Just it, it didn't it didn't knock me out or phase me at all. Like it just uh, 
you know, I felt that crunch in my neck like someone mm. stomping a beer can, and it, and it sent shock completely through my body. And uh, at that point, I mean, I was paralyzed below the neck, and I tried to. I remember trying to raise up, and I felt my neck raise up, and then Im- immediately just the sharp swelling and and pain and heat, you know, started to come in, and then I started seeing colors and felt like my chest was caving in and you know i started praying to all my angels and god right then and there and you know when they say your fly your life flashes before your eyes when you die like i mean literally it did i I remember sort of like a real tape in my head of like all the all the people i love and special memories and it was a wild wild experience and i i remember just praying to the dear lord to hold on and and if there's anything left for me here on this earth to do that he would let me do it, you know, yeah. and um I remember the you know, the paramedics and the ambulance, um they all handled me real real carefully and I really appreciate them and you know, I everybody the doctors, everybody that that took care of me there that day, I, I owe everything to, you know. Right. Yeah. For sure. And so after that, uh, you go in, and how long was it before? I mean, how long was surgery? Obviously, you had surgery and and stuff. Yes, and- sir. So they uh, they they took me to the hospital. I remember uh, Todd Pierce the was the chaplain yeah. at yeah. the time for um, all those PBR deals, and he might does he still do that? I think so. I think so. So he, uh, you know, I'll, I'll always be grateful to Todd. He rode with me to the ambulance that day. I was the first guy out. So they, you know, they had the whole rest of the event to, to right. do, but I think everybody knew at that point it was pretty serious and, uh, nobody had ever seen me get wheeled out of there in the ambulance on a, on a stretcher before I've always been able to walk up and, and yeah. get out of there no matter how bad I've been hurt, thankfully. And, um, that, that was my first experience with that. Yeah. And I remember the ambulance ride to the hospital, you know, I was sorry, I don't know if y'all can hear my neighbor's donkeys. <laughs> <laughs> That's Blake in the background. <laughs> yeah. But uh yeah, they're going off over here in the pasture next over, but uh but I'm riding in the ambulance, you know, and I'm seeing these colors and I'm feeling like literally my body's just kind of my spirit's just getting pulled out of my body. I'm kind of having like this wild psychedelic outer body experience you know and todd's praying for me right there in the ambulance you know and he's calm he's you know speaking peaceful words over me and encouraging me to hold on and and the craziest thing happened i remember the very first thing i started to feel again um but i didn't get full feeling back but the first thing i felt that made me know it was going to be okay was on the ambulance ride to the hospital as i'm praying as todd's praying i'm at some point before we got to the the hospital i felt like uh like water turning in my stomach like a wave turning over and i remember um you know thinking immediately in that moment like damn i just felt something you know and it it was the weirdest thing man and Mm -hmm. um all I can attribute that to is God, honestly, yeah, you I know, 
whatever and whoever and however God is to you and, and what, <laughs> what that means. You know, right. it was, yeah. it was a real miracle. And mm-hmm. I know I was dying at that point. You know, it was bad. And, um, you know, they, they hauled me straight into the ICU. It took four, uh, I think four doctors and about six hours of surgery to put me back together. And mm. they had to wait till the swelling went down and, and tried to keep me stabilized till then for like the next day or two till they yeah. could get surgery on me. But, uh, you know, another thing about all that, that's so crazy that I've told people is that specific arena there at, and Chicago has got sand in it. Yeah. You know, if that would have been any other arena, I have no doubt I probably would have died. You know, if, yeah. if it was on harder ground that fall I had. And, um, and on top of that in Chicago, that's that hospital that I went to is the best hospital in the nation for spinal uh, neurosurgery wow. type of injuries. And they say <laughs> and things don't happen for a reason. Exactly. exactly. Yep. Yeah, the Lord's you know, got his and, plan. Yes, sir. The good Lord is 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 good, and you know, I I had I still to this day don't have any other explanation for it other than he just wasn't done with me yet, and uh, I sure probably deserve worse. I know I did, <laughs> you know, and it's only because of His grace that I'm still here talking to you guys today. Well, how long after that did you walk out of the hospital? So that took me, I think they had me in there for another week or two. It was, I can't, you know, I really don't know what the timeline was the whole time I was there. Um, my family flew in as soon as they could. Um, Doug was Duncan, my buddy, you know, mm-hmm. most of your viewers probably yep. know who he was. And, yep. you know, we were good friends and grew up together and <laughs> traveled together. And he, he ended up staying with me for the next few days until my family could get there. And, uh, you know, that was, that was really comforting. And, and then, you know, once they did surgery on me, um, my family was there by that time. They kept me in there and, you know, kept me, eating, kept me feeding, you know, feeding me through a tube basically. And, uh, pretty much over the next week and a half, they started trying to get me to, you know, do little, little movement. It's little, you know, get me out of bed helped me stand up kind of thing you know it was extremely yeah. painful um i'm sure you know my neck has had just literally been decapitated pretty much with the mm. skin around it still what was you know, the, my spine. What, was, what was the break that you broke was it like what was it c3 i broke my c2 which is c2. basically right here in the middle it's your at the main pivot point of your neck basically it's wow. you got your c1 which is right below the base of your skull yeah. And then you got your C2. And in the middle of that C2, what they explained to me is you you got a major artery right there in the middle of that. And that's the most miraculous part they explained to me about all this is because when I landed and it crushed my, you know, my head down into my, my spine and all that right side of this vertebrae kind of shattered and those bone fragments is usually what paralyzes people and goes through the nerve nervous system. And the fact that none of, and I mean, it shattered the whole right side of that, that bone. And they had to go in there and put a bunch of cadaver bone in there to replace it and remove all that shattered bone. And, um, they said the fact that none of those bone fragments like 
to hit your artery or, uh, you know, slice your nervous system right there. <laughs> it's just like you're less than 1% of anybody we've ever seen that, that that's ever happened to. You wow. Know? Right. That, and yeah. um, he said most people don't live or ever walk or talk or think or anything from that. And um, pretty, pretty unreal. Yeah. And so they ended up putting a a fusion in there and putting cadaver bone in there to put it back together. And, um, and then about a week and a half later, I started making rounds around the ICU (laughs) where I told my doctor, I said, y'all are going to see me walk out of this motherfucker before I leave. (laughs) And uh, I knew, you know, in my mind at that point in time, they, you know, they had told me too, you know, like I, that's all I could ask him is when, you know, when do you think I'll be back to riding again? Yeah. And, uh, they, you know, they, thanks to them, you know, I think they tried to keep my spirits up and I don't even know if they really knew if I would ever ride again or not in their own opinion. But, uh, they told me, you know, it could be within the next seven months. And, um, I think they tried to kind of keep my spirits up, you know, on that. Yeah. And I'm sure in the back of their mind, they knew how severe it was and that I probably would never yeah. ride again if I was to make a, a smart decision, you know, on that. And um, and so that kind of kept my mindset, you know, OK, well, you're going to see me walk out of here and I'm going to ride again one day, you yeah. know, and that was my mindset. Moving. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it helped me stay positive. And then about three months into that, uh, while I was healing and had my neck brace on, you know, I laid there for the next three months, letting my neck heal back together to my body and watching the ceiling fan go round and round. And uh, about went crazy, uh, <laughs> went through a terrible breakup with the girl I was seeing at the time, you know, and bless her heart. I can't imagine what I put her through. Um, mm. There was all kinds of trauma, you know and shit that I was dealing with around that. And I have, you know, I was on muscle relaxers, pain pills. Um, I remember her coming home one night and having to hide all the guns from me because I was, you know, I just wasn't in a good place mentally and wanted to end it. I was miserable. And, uh, and you know, and at the, on top of that, that I think that kind of happened once I had gone to my last doctor's visit. Um, before they told me, uh, you know, we're not going to release you back to ride again here at PBR, you know, that's just not, that's Mm. not an option. It's too big of a liability with what they had to do to you and what your injury was. And, um, and I knew deep down inside, I knew, even though the doctors had given me that hope, like I knew I wasn't right, you know? And, uh, and that, that was the toughest thing for me to swallow really was, was just knowing, you know, like my whole life, my whole life's investment for 19 years of my life riding and all the work and all the dreams, you know, Yeah. not only did the doctors tell me that, but like, I, I already kind of knew it deep right. down. Well, that didn't slow you down too much. Cause after that, I mean, you did walk out of that hospital. <laughs> I and, did walk and, out and, of that and, hospital and, you, and I climbed, uh, I climbed three flights of stairs before I left that hospital. Yeah. And showed them that I was going to be good, you know, good, good for life anyway. And, uh, and then, you know, as soon as that happened, the agency, you know, the company that owns PBR Endeavor had reached out about, uh, doing the modeling work and, 
sent me uh, a contract to go up there and do all that in the industry. And at the time, you know, I had no other, nothing else going on for me in my life. And that certainly wasn't something I ever set out to do or right. uh, thought I would rider, get into. What, what bull rider ever grows up and says, I'm going to be a model? Exactly. Yeah, hell no. You know, my 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 aunt. See, I've got a a female cousin that did some of that in Dallas. You know, and she was always trying to get me to do stuff like that. But I always told her she was crazy. You know, and I would never do something like that. But uh, it turns out I ended up doing something like that, and definitely did. And uh, you know, it was a wild ride. It was totally uncharted territory for me. I felt like a man in outer space. You know, I was. Maybe the I might still be the only cowboy that's kind of gone and done that in at in that area of 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 modeling and uh, you know, high fashion world. Like you know that. what's funny though is when when I'm, I remember when you went up and did the modeling and stuff, and the only thing the first thing that popped in my mind was Woody Harrelson on cowboy. <laughs> that's exactly what I was big billboard of. with nothing but in his cowboy Klein underwear. I was like, exactly. that's Bonner right there. It's gonna be Bonner exactly right there. <laughs> that is that. That's exactly what I thought going into it, and that's exactly what I, you know. That's all I could think about while I was doing it. I was it was something else, man. I had a blast with it. You know, I made it, I tried to make it, um, you know, the best I could. And thankfully I was already pretty street savvy from traveling the world, riding bulls my whole life. And I'm I'm a 30, you know, at this point I was a 30 year old man or might've been 29 at the time. I think actually when I first started, but, um, I knew who I was and my identity and uh, was secure in my sexuality. <laughs> and, uh, That's good. That's good. Always good. <laughs> and, uh, you know, despite anyone's ideas or opinions on that, um, I, you know, definitely know which side of the fence I'm on there. And, <laughs> yeah. uh, and you know, for me, it was, it was incredible money, especially for me. Like, I'd never, hell, I'd never made money like that, even riding bulls. And, um you know, met some great people through that industry. Definitely. A lot of the people in the agency were really, really good to me. The guys that I worked with that managed me were extremely good to me to help me kind of have foresight to know what to expect, how to be around certain situations and how to navigate certain things. And they really looked out for me from uh, at least my agent's side. Now, as far as the overall company of Endeavor and some of those situations and people that I got to be around and, and jobs that I did, I could say a whole lot more. Um, and there's, there's definitely a lot of negative things that come with that industry. Um, you know, there's the whole me too movement that, that happened while I was in that industry. Um, definitely is a real thing and i experienced some of that shit and there's a lot of there's a lot of um weird ass shit that goes on in that industry that i definitely do not condone or agree with or nor did i partake in you know and um you know there's a lot of a lot of shady dealings a lot of shady people a lot of shady photographers a lot of shady uh situations that young people get thrown into that don't know who they are uh, wow you know they get manipulated at a young young age that sounds a lot like a 
the the bull riding industry as well. A hundred percent. No, it's very similar. And you know, when that entertainment company came in to take over PBR, um, they were, you know, and all the other sports and things that they've taken over, that's, you know, they've reached their claws as deep in as they can to find the talent to, to basically, um, condition into those positions to kind of fulfill that role and, and, uh, you know, feed off of, they're feeding off of the bottom of everything that they own and, and trying to, uh, you know, basically use and extort a lot of these, these talented young individuals and beautiful young people. And a lot of these people get thrown into really, really terrible situations. And had I not been a 29 year old man and a cowboy at that, uh, I think I would have had a lot harder time and a lot, a lot worse things would have happened to me. You know, but I think uh, the don't fuck with me vibe definitely resonated <laughs> with a lot of those people. <laughs> that's good. That's, that's always good to yeah, have. Watch like out. That. You might get punched right in the mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you punch know? you right in the mouth. <laughs> and, uh, you know, but there was there was a couple times people did try to cross that line and it was a really uh, hairy deal. And I dang sure had to draw that line real clear for them in the best way I could without getting sued, you know, right. and and putting myself in a bad situation yeah so you've moved on you you got out of the modeling are you still model or uh you got in i'm the still in or? contract with uh the the tom ford deal that i did um that's been an ongoing deal and i want to say you know right out there in the open again my agents that handled me uh the owner of the agency and the guy my personal agent that handled me david um, I owe a lot of gratitude to those guys and, uh, Tom Ford, Mr. Ford himself was a badass when I met him. Uh, you know, he loves the Western world. I think he, he's got a couple ranches, um, was a really great dude. I got to meet him on set and, uh, you know, he's been really, really good to me. I want to, you know, definitely throw a shout out to Tom mm-hmm. Ford for, um, you know, the deal that he gave me and, and that opportunity. And it's still an ongoing deal that I, I get paid for. And, uh, they've done really well with that campaign. Yeah. And now you've started this, uh, you kind of started a gambling deal or something, kind of a fan PBR fantasy or something like that. Right. Yeah. So I ended up, you know, after three years of experience in that whole rodeo, <laughs> I ended up, I ended up deciding, you know what? I'd really like to get back to my roots. And, yeah. um, yeah. that's when I decided, you know, I want to build something. I want to build a business for myself. I want to have something to turn all this opportunity into that. I can continue to get some longevity out of and have a career beyond this and make real impact. Hopefully. Yeah. And, and one of the things I got to go back to when I got hurt, you know, and this is, this will kind of make sense when I say it, but a charity took care of me called Rider Relief Fund at the Mm -hmm. time, um, when I broke my neck and they were really good to a lot of athletes at that time. And they were really making some, some real impact in a lot of lives. Um, but it was mostly fan driven. It really wasn't associated with PBR. Yeah. It rider, was just the rider relief that was different. That wasn't so. The resistor relief was more with uh, the PBR than than rider relief, right? 
Okay. Okay. Yes, I, sir. I had, I, I had a big falling out with resist all. They didn't, they didn't do what they said they was going to do. And anyway, that's another story. Yeah. For the podcast. Well, and, um, you. you know, the, the rider relief fund deal, I think was more from a dedicated group Fan of base. the fans that decided yeah. to get together, which is so pathetic, you know, for not, not because of that, but because the sport doesn't take better care of their athletes than that. And that, the fans took it upon themselves to do, to do mm-hmm. this and organize this. And, um, and it's still kind of that way, but now the sport has their hands in it more and I don't see it making as much impact as it used to, even though they've got some extracurricular things that they're helping. Uh, they put on some of these, you know, training camps and whatnot for these guys uh, the type of help that the bull riders are receiving now, I don't think is quite near as much as what, like mm-hmm. what I got, you know, the, these people paid for $114,000 of my neck surgery. Wow. And, you know, at that point in time, that was life changing to me mm-hmm. because otherwise I would have been completely down the drain yeah. uh, financially and, and been in a much worse spot. And, what you know wouldn't have gotten near the start and opportunity with any of that other stuff i would have been deep in debt you know real deep in debt and i didn't have any you know any real assets i didn't own any property at the time you know i was paying payments on my truck still you know i lived in an apartment um you know i was just barely really kind of a lot getting my feet really deep in my bull riding career where I was starting to gain ground. And and as you know, most of your fans probably already know, and those that don't that are going to come on and discover this podcast, you know, bull riders don't make very good money. And we put, put our lives on the line every weekend, uh, in, in the most dangerous sport on dirt Mm -hmm. for pennies next to what the organizations and corporations are making. And, you know, they want to push it and elevate it like it's this major pro sport. But most of these guys are now, even though, you know, they're trying to put a little more glitter on it, they're still not making any better money than what I was hardly, Mm-mm. you know, when you no. really spread it out. And like, you know, I've seen them advertising this bullshit about $3 million payout coming up this next year in 2024. Well, I read the full article and the breakdown of that payout. And it's still not paying any better than it used to. No. You know, it really ain't when they, you spread it out. I mean, it's, it's about rounds. on par. They're paying out more rounds. It's not that they, they're going to what Dickies and then Fort Worth, then the Cowtown Coliseum, and then AT and T. You had all them. Yeah, rounds and you got to chase them around to three different yeah. venues and locations to even catch all the action now. Yeah, you know, it's a it's a circus. And so, Sean Gleason yeah. is turning it into a circus. Yeah, and what the hell kind of sense does that make? Not much at all. And, uh, you know, that's just a prime example of the management there and Sean Gleason and, and, you know, his management style and how poor it is. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, these guys are going to wake up, and they already are. There's a lot of guys waking up to it, mm. and uh, their numbers are doing poor in their uh, – and they're viewing and, and they're going to continue to go down. And I'm happy to see it because there's another, there's another opportunity rising up through me and my organization and all the Cowboys that are forming together. And, um, mm-hmm. there's definitely 
a lot happening under the hood. I can't speak a whole lot on today for right. the integrity of the project, but just know Sean Gleason, there's a lot, there's a lot happening. Okay. <laughs> and we're going to do it. We're going to take the reins back. The Cowboys are going to take this back and there is a revolution happening. And I, that's why I love your podcast, Cody, because of what you stand for and what you represent. And I'm here alongside you to help shake and wake this industry back up yeah. all every single cowboy out there you know uh it takes some spine to be a cowboy to be a true cowboy mm-hmm. that's what a, a real cowboy is someone who's willing to stand up and do the right thing and speak out and uh defend the the innocent you know and, and the helpless and those who can't speak for themselves and in this case i'm happy to be that i'm happy that you're that uh, we're not we're not tied to PBR anymore. Nope. Even though you had an incredible career, you're you're a world champion, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's what's so special about what you're doing is you still have a lot of impact, a lot of influence. And what you did in your career, you know, you were one of my heroes. You, there's still all these young kids coming up who know who you are that that look up to your career and what you did and. Um, you know, it's it's going to take leaders in this industry joining together, locking arms to take it forward and take the reins back. And I, I'm just here to simply remind all these guys, it ain't hard. It's, this ain't yeah. rocket science. This organization that they're riding for was started by cowboys. Yes, you know, was. that's why it got so, so great. That's why it got so great. It was it was built by the bull riders for the bull riders and ran by the bull riders that's what made it great and any little essence of anything that's there still that is good is because of that it's because of these riders it's because of the stock contractors it's because of the bullfighters that get together and organize and make this shit happen it's not because of the corporate side of it that's sucking the life out of it yeah and running it into the ground and literally extorting every single one of these athletes you know and all these there's a lot of guys that that suck up to this shit and it makes me so sick and you all know who you are and i'm sick of y'all you know and it just i'm done i'm done with it and i know there's a lot of guys who are tired of it that want to organize away from it and i'm proud of you guys I'm i'm proud of the guys that have been coming to me and talking to me about this because I'm stepping out as a leader here to represent each and every one of you guys. And, uh, you know, come, come at me, PBR. I dare you, you know, that's, that's all I can say because we're here and we're taking over and it's going to happen. But you got to have strength in numbers. I think you've got to get everybody on board because you talk to some people, you can talk to anybody you want to, and they'll be one way behind the shoots and, and tell you exactly. Yeah. I think, and they can bring it up to you. They're not just agreeing with you. They'll bring it up to you and, and tell you, hey, I think this is wrong, man. I I don't like the way they're doing this. This don't look right. But then when it comes to There's a time lot of to, guys who talk out of both sides of their mouth, and I'm sick of that, well, too. I and think I know I've talked to a lot of them. Well, I think a lot of them, the reason they don't speak out the other way is because PBR and ABBI are nothing but big bullies. They don't like people to talk back to them. They don't like people to push back against them or question their judgment or their movement and then they'll just blackball them or or whatever they got to do to get rid of them. And uh, it's well, at the end of the numbers. day, if you're going to be a real cowboy, it takes balls. Mm-hmm. It takes it takes spine. And guess what? 
motherfucker with a broke spine is the one standing up saying shit yeah, you know and right. uh these guys who are the top of the industry the the jb moonies and the the cooper davises the uh jesse lockwoods you know i'm calling y'all out too y'all are the leaders you know and and y'all are the ones with the most influence and i know jb feels the same way yeah you know yeah and um but there's a lot of guys who need need to step out and lead and organize and I think it's going to happen, but I know some of these guys' careers are still so closely tied to it, and you're right. Yeah. Every time it starts to happen, Strong Gleason rides in trying to break it up because, you know, he he wants to control – you know, the corporation wants to control and dominate this industry. They don't want a challenge, Mm -mm. and they want to continue to sink their hooks into it and their fangs and suck it dry like a vampire and that's yeah. exactly who they are they're a bunch of fucking vampires yeah and I, I uh, they started... are so disassociated from reality from everyday common man blue collar society and they look down their nose at every single one of y'all and and every single cowboy on tour all you guys who are seated who think that y'all have favor in their eyes let me tell you something I've gone as high up into this organization that y'all ride for as anyone possibly can and the company that owns them. I've met all the high up executives. I've been to all the parties, you know, and I know what goes on. And I'm gonna I'm gonna just straight up tell you, if you think that they care for your life and your your career, you're sadly mistaken. You're just a number. And if they want, they'll chop you off and end your shit just like they've tried to do mine going back to my business and what I tried to create, you know, I built, I reintroduced fantasy sports back into the world of bull riding. A couple guys tried to do it before me and didn't really get that far with it. And I had a brand builder come to me with the idea and educated me on, you know, fantasy football and all of the opportunity that it's created in other mainstream sports and how good it's done for those sports and their athletes and you know the ways that you can utilize that to give back and that's been our mission you know because of how the fans took care of me i felt it only organic and natural for me to get back involved in this sport and create something like that that can give back to the fans and the riders and yeah. that's been our goal and our mission and i presented this to sean gleason 2018 to partner with my organization uh, to do this so that it would give back to the riders and give back to the fans. And he immediately lied to me right then and there and said, we don't do anything third party uh, with any other companies. And, you know, he immediately turned around and went to a company in Australia to build a game right in parallel with mine to compete with me and drown mine out and promote over the top of mine. Even though he told me, Hey Bonner, if you go build this, you know, we'll take a look at it and we might partner with you. And that's exactly what I did. So I went and spent fucking 70,000 on legal fees to develop this out and do all, you know, get all of my state to state laws and mm-hmm. restrictions in place. And, uh, these cocksuckers took meetings with me, all throughout that time and the whole three years we ended up partnering together only to steal my intellectual property 
and my image. They sold my image illegally all over their corporate pitch deck from Dancing with the Stars, Variety Magazine. I have this shit on proof, you know, on paper. And, uh, you know, they sold it all over their corporate sponsor pitch deck, you know, mm. and they've sold, they've stole my video, my videography and some imaging from me, uh, here recently too, just in their TV show, the ride without ever licensing anything or, or asking my permission. <laughs> and so I've got a real problem with them for sure. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, we're going to win though. And I'm not here to, you know, I'm not here to get hung up in the weeds with PBR, but I want the public to know who they are, yeah. you know? Yeah. And, um, the Cowboys need to recognize it too and realize, you know what, they're just, they're just a number. And in their mind, they're less than the cattle are, mm. you know, and, uh, they're replaceable. If you rise up and have anything to say, they'll replace your ass. They'll blacklist your ass just like they did me. Well, yeah. you kick enough people out of your party, they'll go start their own. Absolutely. You know? And and that's that's it at the end of the day. We don't have to have uh, all this corporate control over our lives and our culture to exist. We were here before they came and we'll be here long after. Yeah, cowboys have been around for a while. They fought a lot of wars. Cowboys and That's exactly right. <laughs> so, and what it means to be a cowboy is to stand up and do the right thing. And mm -hmm. you know what? Even when nobody um, else is looking. Even when nobody else is looking, that's exactly right. And, you know, nobody's perfect. We, we have all got our downfalls. And, you know, here's the thing. I hope and pray for PBR to get it right. I, do too. I hope they will. But I know they won't is the thing. No, and their track record proves completely different. I love the PBR. I've given I love them the every opportunity. It, the everything. Every opportunity. And I just it, without some changing of the guard up there and without getting uh cutting the head off the snake up there or whatever you want to call it, and, and getting some bull riders back in there in that boardroom that are actually still actively putting their hand in a bull rope where they can control and project their future in bull riding and guide that sport or that company in association in the direction that they wanted in it. The, the guys up there now that's in that circle and that niche, they haven't put their hand in a bull rope and ain't no telling how long. And I think when they pulled their hand out and got traded their bull rope for the board chair, that's when PVR started going South. It wasn't no more, no longer about the bull riders. It was about padding their pocket and longevity. How much could they stick in their pocket before this thing burned to the ground? That's exactly right. A hundred percent. And, you know, Sean Gleason, I would be willing to bet has never set his fat ass on any bull or ever crawled in the chute with one, you know, nor will he ever because he's a <laughs> and, uh, you know, he, he ain't that kind of man and he doesn't no, know he what is. it takes to fill any of these guys boots. He's never carried a rigging bag, you know. He can barely sit on top of a horse, and uh, that's that. only for show. Yeah. You know, I bet he don't even own a horse. Mm -mm. And uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, this is who we're dealing with. This is who you work for, guys. And is that what you want to work for? Is that who you want to deal with? Is that who you want to own your life and call the shots for your life and your safety? You know? 
and um, that's who that's who's calling the shots, and that's who's that's who's juggling. You know, that's who's got your life on a tether tether string every weekend, changing rules left and right uh, with your occupation. That's you know where your life's at stake every weekend, and you're risking your life for what you love. Just because you're out there risking your life on the dirt every weekend does not mean that these guys appreciate it. Mm-mm. You know. No, it's nothing to them. They no, don't he, care. They don't understand. And they don't want to understand. No, and he, even if they do, they don't care. You know? No, he don't care. It, do you think he knows he's running it in the daggum ground? Does he know that he's the the driver of the train that's fixing to run off the cliff? I've told him he ought to know. <laughs> I've told him straight up, along with their attorneys. You know, I've told him that you're losing money for the sport. And you're doing a piss poor job of managing this this association, and uh, nobody in their right fucking mind would ever do business with you if they knew how you really are, you know. Yeah. And uh, here we go; there, everybody's about to know, you They're know, about to know it. And and this is this is all stuff that can be proven on paper. This is not slander. This is yeah. not slander. I can prove every single statement on paper or video recording. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so well, you know good. tough shit guys you you made this bed now you're gonna have to sleep in it that's exactly right i i, I think there needs to be some major changes up there changing of the guard and uh i think pbr could survive without without those critical changes i think i think they're headed for they're speeding for the big cliff and that's truly my message is just to wake these guys up and realize you guys come together every weekend and do this shit with or without PBR. Like, well, a lot of people don't understand that uh, bull riding is really simple. You got a bull rider and you got a bull. Bull so riding without, is bull riding. Not, so without, PBR is not bull riding. No. So without bull, bull riders bull riding. or stock contractors to bring the bull, PBR does not have a show. And if they will come And there's together. a lot of smart cowboys out here who, and smart businessmen, yeah. aside from these guys that are involved yeah. in PBR. Millionaires, want, stock want the cowboy col- yeah. Yes. Guys who want the cowboy culture to grow and expand and thrive mm-hmm. and survive and live on and not control it, but help fuel it. Yeah. And I'm organizing men like that who are stepping behind me, stepping behind Rank Ride, stepping behind our brand and our vision and our mission, which is to give it all back to you guys, the Cowboys yeah, and the fans, you know? Yeah, that's and that's exactly the, fans. the way it's The fans is what's made the sport to begin with. Fans all love, about the I fans. Mean, not only, I mean, obvious fans love the sport. They paid $114,000 worth of your doctor bill, you know, that, that you didn't have. Yes, fans sir. did that, not the PBR. Not not anybody else. The fans did. Get it back exactly. to where it was, like in the old TNN days, where it, they showed a lot yes. of bull riding and not a there wasn't no BS <laughs> nowhere. You caught a couple interviews behind the shoot after somebody got off, and then it went back to bull riding again. And that's what it was at. It wasn't all this the show with all the lights, old the Dan camera, and Donnie, the action, you know? yeah, and Pam, and yeah. <laughs> uh, it didn't have all the lights, glamour, and the glitter going on. And I think all that is just a magic show. It's a magic show. It is. It's truly just an illusion to mm-hmm. make people think it's bigger than what it is. Yep. People, it, you know, it's it's crazy. 
and I know I know PBR does pack some events out, mm-hmm. and their viewership probably is better on certain days than others. But and and, and here's the thing: I know they're making hell of money. They've got to be making really good money. They're still selling the same old show though, and they just dress it up a little different from weekend to weekend, you know. But and, the same old show worked. You know, the same old show worked. And when you go to putting the glitz and the glamour and the smoke and the lights and all that, that's when it gets their vision gets hazy. And I don't. And I think that's just they're they're wanting to build that as an illusion so they can, you know, continue well, to be NFL, the big bully no in the industry. How bad, you know, I understand the the concept of what they're trying to do with the team deal, and I think it could be great, but not mm-hmm. with their management. And, no. um, you know, but you're never going to make bull riding NFL at, on the same on the other side of that same token. Bull riding is bull riding, and it'll always be that way. Well, it's it needs an to be transparent. Sport. They need to be more transparent. If we're wrong and we're saying something wrong – let them come on here. Let them come tell us. Tell us what we're yeah. missing. Show come me, prove to me that 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 everything's on the up and up. Give me it down in black and white and on the paper and show me how why you're doing it this way. And, and and show me the plan that you have to make these bull riders' lives better. Yeah, you know, show it to me. Yeah, show it to the rest yeah. of us. Prove, prove show, it to how me. are you going to give back to this world and and help these guys' career? Uh, be better beyond bull riding what are you doing to take care of these athletes when they get hurt mm-hmm. you know where's the money going i mean i can go back to where that when they sold the shares right before they sold out the first time i sold my shares i was in a bind resistor relief fund would not help me out after i donated shaps and vests and ropes and all kinds of stuff for their auctions and and to raise money for for injured bull riders well i got injured and I'd been injured mm-hmm. for about two or three years, and I needed that help. And they flat out told me no. And yeah. I, I quit I quit donating. I quit buying anything at their auctions after that. And uh, I, they just, man, kind of lost where I was well, going there. But they just. That's okay. It's, it's okay. But, like, here's the thing. If you guys want, uh, you know, if, if y'all want the Cowboys' loyalty, then – how about some involvement? How well, about be, be how tra- about allowing the Cowboy said, boys be trans- to be heard be transparent back in- because I so I had to sell them shares so I could live so I could so I could feed me and my wife and my I think I had Clancy then I had to feed Clancy and because uh, the other two wasn't born yet and I'm like man I got to put food on the table and I sold my shares back pretty much at whatever the market value was which damn sure wasn't nowhere near what I'd have got with them I'd have held on them. So I was a shareholder, right. and they did not allow me or let me know that they was looking to sell that thing. And then when they did sell it, I sold the last couple shares a couple weeks before they sold out. I sold my last 5,000 shares a couple weeks before they sold out. They never once told me, hey, Cody, hey, we want we you might want to hang on to them for a little bit. We've got an there offer. There might be a better opportunity for you a, to we, make yeah, more. Yeah, yeah. I, and, and what I'd have held on to would have made me a couple million dollars. Oh, they were happy and, to snatch it from well, you sure. at the bottom Where did dollar. that money go when it sold, when they bought my shares? Where did that money go? Because the prize money has never went up. It's still, when I won a, won a round at the finals, it paid 22500 And 23 years later or something, it's only, what, 30000 around now or thirty four. Yeah. So it, it ain't went up much at all. So where no. did all that money go? That Where's it going? Show me that the paper trail of where everything went. They're not going to do that. 
they're not transparent. And if they want to get everybody back on board and back together, you've got to be transparent. You've got to bring everything out. Put put your damn cards on the table. And, and Here's show the reality. Every on. season PBR, especially between the two split seasons now, they're probably making about $80 million a season. In all reality, from their ticket sales at least, that's not including any of the sponsorships. And Yeah, but does PBR the, make that on the teams? Because I think the teams, the individual teams, say they went to Oklahoma City. I think the Oklahoma Freedom had to pay for that arena. I think they get the results from that. I don't think PBR gets, gets much of that. I don't know one way or another. I don't know. but Right. Maybe uh, some, not. Maybe somebody the teams told do me get that. The, the teams may benefit from that, but I guarantee you PBR has their finger in that pie, oh, I, even on the team side. Oh, I'm sure they do. Absolutely. And I they imagine the team owners are probably not that happy with the structure and management style that they have to deal with either. In fact, I know they're not. You know, I've spoken with J.J. Gotch directly about this. And, uh, you know, he's his his team owner. Uh, you know, he's just the manager for that team. But yeah, the team owner is one of the high ups at Endeavor that owns PBR. Now, tell me how how good does that look? You know, <laughs> and now and now you've got PBR since they they cut me. They cut our deal off with my fantasy platform after they stole all kinds of intellectual property. Now they've let, you know, we tried to go back to them and pay them for marketing, all the marketing they were supposed to give us in the deal that we were in. And now as soon as we got, we spent over a million dollars building this shit over three years, three different website build outs. I mean, that's not just the software, but our whole entire brand and everything that we built around it. Mm -hmm. But I guarantee you we spent well over 300 grand on just the software alone probably close to half a million and that investment got it we had to we had to do several revisions over three years we took all of pbr's criticism while they sat back and pointed their finger and promoted their own free games over the top of ours and then as soon as we got ours to a point of monetization and ready to go and hit the market well that's when they cut our cinch and so i came back to them and tried to pay their ass for marketing one of their own bull riders who broke his neck and almost died in the fucking arena for this sport. And this is my point to all the bull riders that are going to watch this. You think your life matters and means something? It don't. Because I, they wouldn't even let me pay them for marketing at that point because of the one podcast you talked about earlier that I put out mentioning just a tiny, tiny, in the most polite way, <laughs> a fraction of what I'm talking about here today yeah. and the fact that they had terminated our relationship and that I didn't feel like they had a great management style, you know, and that things could be better for the bull riders, which are facts. Those are just mm -hmm. very, very subtle, uh, yeah. polite facts, yeah. you know, not, not dropping any bombs even. And, uh, so they didn't like that. And Sean Gleason told me I shouldn't have talked like that and that I, you know, if I thought I was going to get away with that, that I had another thing coming. And basically now they've denied me all access into even being able to directly market my product at PBR events. And so coming into the PBR team season, they let another company in called Stat Hero, an outsider, totally outside the industry, 
and uh, de- have denied me all access to it. So, <laughs> how, you know, how good does that look for the fans? How good does that look for the riders? You know, you riders that think you have a future here after your your career, you got another thing coming unless you want to really suck, you know what, and do exactly like you're told. And uh, you better start, you know, either really practicing roughing up your knees or wearing some knee pads because you're going to be down there sucking for a long time. You know, like a lot of these guys who've had a padded position there for a long time. And they must have a lot of holes in their jeans, in their knee area, you know. Y'all, y'all got a lot of knee patches in your jeans, I imagine. But um, I don't. I don't. I don't. I don't roll like that, you know. I don't either, man. And, uh, and so that's what I'm saying here today. And here's another thing I want to point out before we go. On top of all this shit. The, the company that owns PBR, Endeavor, bought another company called OpenBet last year, which is a white-label distribution data service for servicing data to other gaming platforms and gambling platforms, all right? So they collect the data, and they'll sell it to these gambling platforms. Well, them owning the sport, too... How fucking good does that look legally? You know, there there can't be I just don't understand that. You know, you're running the odds and selling the data and you're also setting up the matches. Well, hell. Setting that up does sound like too, a pretty good deal, don't it? Yeah. If you're in their position. <laughs> That's some insider trading or inside <laughs> information or conflict of interest or any of them other damn yeah. things you want to and call And their it. legal representation when I asked them why they terminated my deal because we got it we did everything they told us to and put all the money in and I went and raised the you know raised the money built the built the damn software took all the criticism they gave me did everything they told me to do and followed directly in step with everything they said only for them as soon as I monetize it to cut my cinch because they never expected me to get as far as I did with it and they knew that I had beat them to the punch about six months early on what they had planned because they had bought this open bet company for 700 million dollars and and then they partnered with another company called alt sports data and uh, this new stat hero company. So now they're selling the data and telling them how to set their lines. Wow. And that's fact. <laughs> yeah. That's on paper. They've already promoted that shit. And I know I've got all the emails and the, the, the shit in writing. Wow. I don't know how they get away with it. But they may not for long. I'll just fix it. They may not for long now. <laughs> no, Nobody's not, talked about not, this. Not, not with not with coming on this show, and then you you spend it on old rank ride over there, and in, and everywhere else. Uh, yes, that's sir. about all we can do is get the get the word out, put shine some light on some of the shady areas. But when I started this, I really, I guess they had the wool pulled over my eyes just a little bit, even though I had seen some stuff. But since we've started this this podcast and and been putting this on people have been coming literally out of the woodwork and and stuff is just landing in my lap and and i i've just been in shock i've been just i didn't know the shady areas were this damn dark 
I mean, I it, oh, yeah. I mean, I knew they, it's I knew there were some dark spots, but I mean, oh my goodness, this thing it goes from top to bottom, to side to side. It, it incorporates the whole damn thing, and and uh, this is just scratching the surface. It's not all coincidence that all these things are happening. Them dark spots are there. I think they were planned, and and some of them intentional and for what's done. What's done in the dark will come to light. One hundred percent. It only takes time, and if you're going to be a piece of shit, you better get ready to own it. Yeah, I believe it. Well, Bonner, man, I, I think we've went way over time here, but uh, <laughs> I, I, like I told, uh, we had uh, somebody else on the other day, and Ooh. I said we, we're gonna we're gonna have to do a part two somewhere along the lines. So yes, sir, we'll, we'll I hope we can have you down summer. here at the Rank Ride Studio soon, and. Uh, get you down here at the rank ride ranch absolutely we'll get we'll get down there and get on that for sure so but bonner i appreciate you buddy hey guys. yes sir thank hey you guys. for having me and i hope i didn't uh hope i didn't uh hurt the ears of some of your audience but you know some things can only be explained a certain way and and uh nope. you know it's about time that it be heard the right way there is nothing off our table everything is talkable we can talk about anything and everything under the sun it does not matter there is not a topic we will not talk about um well god bless you guys and god bless your viewers and uh you know just know that uh the cowboys are coming back and I hey like the cowboys did come back last weekend total shutout oh <laughs> don't get into that football bs <laughs> yeah baby come how about on. them cowboys <laughs> how about them cowboys <laughs> all right bonner we'll see all right, you guys hey guys if right, y'all like talk this, to you soon you bet hey guys if y'all like this episode go watch and give us a follow on all social media and and all podcast platforms guys and uh until next time we'll see you then